In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful. Dear brothers and sisters, today we will talk about Imam Mahdi and that which concerns everyone. We will begin with a question that is acute for the entire Ummah. Are we faithful to Allah? And do we love His Prophet, peace be upon Him? Many will say now that yes, of course. Then a question arises. Why do you not listen to the words of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? Why do you not follow them? His words about the end times, those instructions, those hints that he left for all of us. Why do you not listen to them? Why do you prefer listening to the words of these authority figures, these imams, sheikhs, in other words, of the same ordinary people as you? Yes, they wear different clothes. Yes, they know a lot of Arabic words, expressions, ayat and hadith, but still they are actually just people. So why do you think that you are faithful to Allah and obey His Prophet, while in actual fact you don't listen to the words of the Prophet? So who is superior for you? Allah's Messenger Himself, peace be upon Him, or the same ordinary people as you? I'll give you a simple example. Imagine that the Prophet has come to you and he asks you for a glass of water, but you don't give it to him. You feel that he's a Prophet, you feel that he's a good person, but you have doubts. Is he actually the Prophet? Am I not mistaken? Maybe it just seems to me. And you are unable to make a decision yourself. You need someone else's opinion. So you run to your neighbors, to these scholars, sheikhs, imams, mullahs, and so on and so forth. You need someone else just to give a glass of water to a person. In other words, you need someone's permission to be a human. You need some kind of certificate some proof or some argument from people who are authorities for you, so that you could simply act humanly and share a glass of water. Yet, my brother, are you not a Muslim? Are you not a human? A person is asking you for water, just give him water. But no, there is a fear of making a decision on your own to be a human. However, is this worthy of a Muslim? Does a Muslim need someone's permission or approval to be a Muslim? For those who don't quite understand the meaning of this example, I'll briefly explain that the one who is addressing the humankind today isn't asking for something that a human is unable to give. He's asking for an ordinary human response. Thus, in order to hear the call of the one whom Allah the Almighty has sent and about whom Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, spoke, for this you just need to be a Muslim, that is, to be a human being with an open heart. Yet, if a person doesn't hear the call, then he isn't a Muslim. He simply shows off. 
Therefore, does he have the right to call himself a Muslim? After all, our beloved Prophet, peace be upon him, left many hints about Mahdi's coming, so that we don't make a mistake. But you don't hear his words. Why? There are several reasons for this, and we will analyze the main ones in the course of our video. One of them is that many people, many Muslims, actually doubt whether there was a Prophet, peace be upon him, whether this story is true. Yes, they feel that this is the truth, that the Quran is the truth, but they have doubts in their consciousness. They doubt this, and they don't tell anyone about these doubts. They prefer to keep silent about this, while they do have doubts. Every one of you, if he is honest, will admit at least to himself that he has really had such thoughts, such doubts as to whether there was a Prophet at all. Therefore, it's difficult for such people to follow the Prophet's words, because even when they feel the truth, even when they feel that what the Prophet said is actually happening now, doubts still arise in them and they need some kind of authorities. They need people who would make a decision for them, who would tell them yes or no, just like it is happening now. So, what do we see? People feel. They feel the truth and the One who has come by the will of the Almighty. Yet, they have doubts. Why? Because they obey these scholars, these sheikhs who tell them, don't believe, and they don't believe. The problem is that people don't trust themselves. They prefer to trust some other people, but not themselves, and this is a problem. A person has an inner impulse, he feels it inside. However, doubts creep in, and a person is already inactive, and he is doing nothing. Even now, my brother, you feel that this is the truth, but you have doubts, you obey, you obey the Imams who tell you, don't believe. However, did Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, say, obey, worship people? No. He said, obey Allah, worship Allah. I'm an ordinary person, I'm not urging you to believe me, yet why do you not believe Allah's Prophet Himself, peace be upon Him? Iblis is guiding people along the path that leads to hell. But why do you waste your life on ending up in hell? Is life given to a person for following those who are seduced by Iblis? Or for a person to follow the straight path which Islam is? However, being seduced, a person will not enter heaven, while these people have been seduced. But why do you get seduced too? After all, there, beyond the threshold, it will be impossible for you to say, I obeyed those people, they are to blame, they deceived me. Each person is given the right to choose, and only each person himself is responsible for everything that he has done in his life, for everything he has said and done. It's impossible to shift responsibility for one's life to anyone else, for it is said not a single soul will bear someone else's burden, each person is responsible for himself. 
Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, today we live in such times, in fact, it was relevant at all times, but today especially, when everyone should understand the importance of their responsibility for their spiritual life and for their life in general. Nowadays, a lot is being done. Thousands and thousands of people do many good deeds. They have already joined Mahdi and they are indeed doing a lot of good deeds. But where are you? After all, Allah doesn't look at people's wealth or clothes. He looks at people's actions and their hearts. Yet where are your deeds, my brothers? Why do you listen to your nafs that deceives you? And why do you listen to those people who deceive you? After all, it's our struggle with nafs that makes us either Muslims or liars. So maybe it's time to decide who we are. The entire problem is that Iblis closes up people's ears so that they don't hear. Why does he do this? Why does Iblis act like this? Because he's afraid that more than a billion people will side with Mahdi. This scares him a lot. Therefore, he does everything through his slaves in order to sow doubts among people, all sorts of doubts to lead them away from the straight path. Because the one who follows Imam Mahdi follows the straight path. That is why Iblis is putting so much effort just to lead people astray from this path, to sow betrayal among Muslims, so that Muslims betray Allah and the one who fulfills his will today, the one whom our Prophet, peace be upon him, spoke about. Therefore, today it's important for every Muslim to ask himself a question. Am I truly faithful to Allah? Our Prophet warned us that at the very beginning many will consider the advent of Imam Mahdi to be an unserious fuss, but it will be the truth. And he, Mahdi, will possess the common wisdom of all the Prophets and all the Saints. The knowledge and the essence of all religions will be in his heart. And he, Al-Mahdi, will fill the earth with justice and peace and will unite everyone in one brotherhood. Today, you only need to read the Alatra book or watch the videos with Mahdi to become convinced in the farsightedness of our Prophet, who clearly described that he would indeed possess the common wisdom of all the Prophets and Saints, and that the knowledge of the essence of all religions will be in his heart. These words very accurately reflect what we now see. By the way, some of these scholars, the so-called Imams and Sheikhs, say that Mahdi should supposedly know all commas and all the numbering in the Qur'an. A simple question, did Allah's Prophet himself, the Prophet Muhammad himself, peace be upon him, know all the commas and all the numbering in the Qur'an as they are, if the Qur'an was written by people many years after the Prophet Muhammad had left this world. So, why do these servants of Iblis, who demand obedience to themselves but not to the Prophet, peace be upon him, require that Mahdi should know all commas and all the numbering? Isn't that funny? A simple question. 
The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that when Mahdi comes, the righteous, true Muslims would unite around him and carry the truth, spread the news of his advent and spread the truth. Then Islam would be all over the world, said the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. However, Islam not as a name or some kind of external conformity, but Islam in the sense of God's love. Thus the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that Islam will be in the whole world thanks to Mahdi and thanks to the actions of the righteous Muslims, meaning God's love will come into reign. That's exactly what he meant. But not that all the Japanese, the Chinese and the Papuans would be bearded and everyone would be wearing short pants. No, this is a primitive interpretation and a primitive understanding of what was said. What does a beard have to do with the iman of a person? If Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the dignity of the faith, the iman is here, inside the person. Also, it is quite trendy to wear a beard today. A lot of people around the world wear beards. So what? Are they all Muslims? Therefore, going back to our question, that the Prophet said that the righteous will unite around Mahdi, meaning the true Muslims will stand next to him. If today some of the Muslims don't hear the one who has come by the will of Allah the Almighty, do these Muslims have the right to consider themselves Muslims if they don't fulfill what Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, said? Despite everything mentioned above and taking into account that today Iblis is very cunning and strong and he has really managed to create a lot of false interpretations with the hands of his slaves. To put it simply, he has mixed everything up to such an extent that we consider it our moral duty towards you, our dear brothers and sisters, to investigate his main tricks and the lies he has created so that you can see, hear and accept the one whom our beloved Prophet peace be upon him, spoke of. For the convenience of our analysis, we have decided to divide the Ummah into several hypothetical groups based on the main tricks by which Iblis prevents people from understanding the essence. The first group are divided who, so to say, expect the arrival of some Arab who will come from Mecca. To help these people, we offer to their attention the correct interpretation of the main hadith, which nowadays all theologians interpret incorrectly and thereby lead people astray from understanding of what is happening. Correct interpretation of the hadith about the advent of Imam Mahdi.
Nowadays, most scholars interpret this text in the following way. Even if only one day remains for this world to exist, Allah will certainly prolong that day until He sends a man from my family whose name is compatible with my name, and his father's name is compatible with my father's name. He will fill the world that was previously filled with cruelty and oppression with truth and justice instead. Now the correct translation. Let's take the expression this expression is usually translated as a man from my family, although it actually means a man from among those living in my home. That is, a man from my home. Yet, what home does the Prophet live in? What home does he belong to? Right, the Prophet's home is heaven. He lives in heaven, meaning in the spiritual world, in the home of Allah the Almighty. Thus, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, wanted to say that Mahdi will come from heaven. Next, the line was translated as follows. His name is compatible with mine, and his father's name is compatible with my father's name. This line begins with the word Yuwatua. One of its meanings is to be short, to be simple. Taking into account all the aforesaid, we have the following translation. His name is as simple as mine, and his father's name is as simple as my father's name. In this case, simple means an ordinary human name. So, based on everything said above, the correct interpretation of this hadith sounds as follows. Even if only one day remains for this world to exist, Allah will certainly prolong that day until He sends a man from among those living in my home, whose name is as simple as my name, and his father's name is as simple as my father's name. He will fill the world that was previously filled with cruelty and oppression with truth and justice instead. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, from now on we don't have to waste our time on tangled interpretations and search for the one who has long been addressing humanity. Dear brothers and sisters, our common prophet, peace be upon him, wanted to convey to us that Mahdi will be an ordinary person outwardly. But any truly righteous Muslim, someone who sincerely seeks to attain the contentment of Allah the Almighty, will feel Mahdi. In order to help us all, Allah's Messenger, peace be upon him, also left another hadith which says that there will be a cloud above Mahdi's head, and the angels will be saying, this is Mahdi, this is Mahdi, it is him. Surely we shouldn't understand all this literally that Mahdi would be walking, and wherever he goes, he would have a cloud above his head. You have to admit that such interpretation sounds a bit ridiculous. Well, imagine how difficult it would be for this man to live. He would have to constantly walk with an umbrella. While in actual fact, the Prophet had in mind something completely different. He meant that there would be a radiance, a glow above his head.
Indeed, this fact was recorded in one of the videos, which unfortunately later on had to be removed because of the actions of Iblis and his slaves. However, in this video, the radiance and glow which our Prophet, peace be upon him, spoke about was actually recorded. In subsequent videos, Mahdi promised that he wouldn't play around like that anymore, as he put it. Yet, nonetheless, this fact was recorded. As for the second part of the Hadith, that angels will be saying, it's him, this is Mahdi, our Prophet, peace be upon him, meant that the spiritual component which is in every person, the angel inside each of us, after all, inside each of us there is a beast and there is an angel, would feel the angel inside Mahdi. Yet outwardly he's an ordinary person, but inside, inside is the one who by the will of Allah the Almighty has come from the house in which our Prophet, peace be upon him, lives. So the angel in each of us can feel this. But in order to be able to feel this, it's important to learn to distinguish in oneself the voice of a beast from the soft whisper of an angel. After all, the beast is always noisy. The beast in each of us is loud and aggressive. However, the beast must be humbled. This is exactly the path of a Muslim, to humble his nafs, so that nafs simply becomes an obedient dog and serves his master, the angel. By the way, very similar descriptions of Mahdi's advent may be traced in other Abrahamic religions. What's very funny and stupid is that all religions exactly religions, not what prophets said. All religions claim that the one whom the Almighty sends will come precisely to them. Yet, what kind of Mahdi would he be if he came solely to representatives of one religion? If all of us are creations of the Almighty, then the one whom all the Prophets spoke about will come to all of humanity. Jews, for example, just like Arabs, claim that Mahdi will come solely to them and allegedly punish all other people. There is nothing surprising here because both Arabs and Jews are Semites. However, along with obvious nonsense, there are some very interesting indications of their interpretation. For example, in Judaism, the following is mentioned regarding Mahdi. The true Messiah will be an ordinary person born of ordinary parents. Kabbalah scholars also agree that Messiah doesn't plan to appear all of a sudden. On the contrary, people beginning to gradually see clearly will realize that he's already here, just not where they were usually seeking him. Much is said about Mahdi in Christianity. For example, Isa alayhi salam spoke a lot about his advent and called him the Comforter. In the Gospel of John 14, 16-17 it is said, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you, and shall be in you. The Comforter will teach you everything, 
He will cause you to remember all the things I told you. The second group on our hypothetical list are those who feel and understand that this is really Mahdi. But they are afraid of their authorities. To help these people, we will say that your fear of these authorities, although these are just mortal people, the same as everyone else, it is not your fear. It's the fear of your consciousness, of your nafs. However, spirit is free from fear. A true Muslim cannot fear anyone or anything. A true Muslim can fear only one thing, to lose the contentment of Allah. However, if you betray Allah because of other people's opinions, then what do you hope for? Who is loved by Allah more? The one who does good or the one who doubts? And what is real good? Truly genuine good, which is pleasing to Allah, the Almighty. This good is exactly spreading Alatra. Because for everyone who has accepted it, Alatra opens the path to eternity, the path to Allah. What can be more joyful and pleasing to Allah, the Almighty? It's when people come to Him, when people don't go to Iblis, but go to the truth, go to Him, return to their true home, return to Allah. Therefore, it's really very joyful and pleasing to Allah when people share this truth and are not afraid of anything or anyone, because a Muslim cannot be afraid of anyone. After all, you do feel that this is true, my brother, but you refuse to do good. Why? Because Iblis makes you have doubts, and you accept these doubts. Even if you silently take Iblis' side, you are still his accomplice. Because Allah gave you understanding, because Allah gave you freedom of choice. Yet again, there is a question, how can your tongue praise Allah while at the same time you serve Iblis. In the Quran 460, there are very interesting words. It is said there, have you not seen those who claim to have believed in what was revealed to you and what was revealed before you? They wish to refer legislation to Tahut while they were commanded to reject it and Satan wishes to lead them far astray. How accurately this verse reflects what is happening today. Indeed, Satan has led many people very far away into delusion. It is so clearly said, people refer legislation to Tahut, in other words, people cannot make decisions on their own, so they go to authorities, to scholars, to imams and sheikhs who are exactly Tahud. After all, what is Tahud? Tahud is something, or to be precise, something or someone whom or what people obey besides Allah. For example, Ibn Kathir has a very interesting, detailed interpretation of the concept of Tahud. Tahud, according to his interpretation, are people, genies, idols, shaitans, that is, something or someone 
that people worship besides Allah. Also, tahud means a false judge, that is, someone who makes a false judgment regarding a case. Doesn't this apply to these authorities who make false judgments and thereby lead many people astray from the path to Allah? Yet, why do some people prefer to believe tahud when they were commanded not to believe and not to follow it? Why does Tahud still captivate people? Why do people follow it? One of the answers to this question is that Tahud, in this case, authorities, sheikhs, imams, and mullahs, and what they convey and tell people, which is actually just a sham. People like all this. Why? As regards Mahdi's advent, how do they interpret and how do they explain it? They tell people that Mahdi will come and take away all wealth from some people and give it to the righteous ones. Yet, who are righteous according to their interpretations, according to their beliefs? Of course, it is them. They fulfill everything, they do everything right, they are precisely the righteous ones, the ones to whom Mahdi will give all the riches. After all, they have grown beards and shortened their pants. They have dressed women in Jewish cloaks. They are the righteous ones. Don't they fulfill everything? Hence what? Hence Mahdi will come and present everything to them. Because you are righteous. You don't need to do anything else. You are already doing so much. You perform namaz five times a day. Who can be more righteous than you? You keep the fast, you perform this and that, and this is very, very seductive for the ego, for nafs. Yet again, this is seductive. But will a person who gets seduced enter paradise? And isn't it the fight against one's nafs which makes a Muslim a true Muslim, or in this very case, a liar? However, the truth is, first of all, that Mahdi is not an expropriator. He wasn't sent by Allah the Almighty to engage in hostile takeovers. He's Mahdi, the one who follows the straight path and helps others to find the straight path. He helps people to follow the truth. And the truth, first and foremost, consists in the fact that all people are here temporarily in order to make their choice, to make their choice so that this choice is conscious. That's what Mahdi has come for, for helping people. Because if a person doesn't know what he chooses between, he won't be able to make the right choice. When he has no alternative except for what Iblis is offering him, how will a person make his choice? Exactly for this, the Almighty has sent Mahdi so that a person has an alternative and an understanding that there is a path of lies offered by Iblis and there is a path of truth offered by Mahdi. Therefore, one of his functions, Mahdi actually has many functions, is to remind people that they are given the right to choose and to remind people of who they actually are. For if a person doesn't know who he really is, 
then how can he choose? Returning to this question, why people still follow the Tahud, authorities, sheikhs and imams, I'd like to expand a little on this point. So why does this happen? This is because Iblis and this Jahud have made people disbelieve, or rather they have weaned people from believing themselves and their souls. It's the worst thing they have done. They made people forget that the soul even exists, and they have convinced people that they are just animals, meaning that a human being is precisely a body. Yet, what is a body if not a beast? After all, a human body without a soul is just a beast. It's the soul that makes a person a human being. Mahdi has come to remind people about this very truth. Today, thanks to this knowledge, the knowledge of Alatra, which Mahdi has brought by the will of Allah the Almighty, every person can learn to feel this truth within oneself, can learn to know Allah inside oneself. Again, going back to the Tahud, what is their basis, let's say, and their dominant position in the Ummah today? What is the authority of the Tahud based on today in the entire Ummah? First of all, on misinterpretation, a distorted interpretation of the statement by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, in which he said that knowledgeable people are the pillars of Islam. However, by knowledgeable people he didn't mean those bookworms who had memorized ayat and hadith and now consider themselves and make people consider them knowledgeable people. A knowledgeable person is someone who knows Allah within himself who feels Allah and who has no doubt that there is Allah. Do you see the difference? He knows this. Such people don't have a theory. They know for sure that there is Allah the Almighty. And they feel this inside. That's who a knowledgeable person is. And such a person is actually a pillar of Islam, because he has something he can share with other people. But in no case, in this expression, the Prophet meant people who have accumulated a lot of book knowledge and thus consider themselves knowledgeable. Believe me, memorizing texts, even the longest ones, isn't difficult. It is much more difficult to defeat nafs in oneself, to open up to Allah the Almighty internally, and to become a pure conductor of His will in this world. Today, Alatra gives everyone who sincerely strives for Allah an opportunity to feel, to know Allah within oneself, and to feel this truth. Having learned this truth, the truth which can change a person's life for the better forever, I'd even say it can change it in the only right way. So, having learned this truth, a person mustn't be silent. How can one be silent about this? It's impossible. After all, Islam means action. If the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, were silent, would Islam be Islam today? If he, having found this pearl and discovered it inside himself, had hidden it from people, would Islam be Islam? It would not. But he wasn't silent.
He was acting, telling people and sharing this truth. And no matter how difficult it was for him, despite all the resistance from Iblis, from the system and Iblis's slaves, he kept doing it anyway. He was sharing the truth, because Islam is action, first and foremost. Whereas someone who knows the truth, but hides it from people and doesn't share it with others, is like a thief. Is a thief worthy of attaining heaven or being accepted there? Certainly not. Yet again, going back to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, when the slaves of Iblis offered him great wealth so that he would abandon his prophetic mission, what did he say? He said, even if they place the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left hand in return for giving up this matter, I will never stop until either Allah makes a triumph or I die defending it. Here is an example of a true Muslim, an example which every person who considers himself a Muslim should follow today, to act, not to be silent. I am not very eloquent, but I am not a thief, I am a Muslim. And if I haven't clarified any points well enough, I really hope that my brothers and sisters will forgive me for that, because I share as much as I can. But I am not silent. The greater jihad means overcoming Satan in oneself. That's the most difficult and the first thing a person must do. It's impossible to open the gate without that, or rather, no one will open it in front of you. However, when overcoming Satan in yourself, you should also perform the lesser jihad. It's a need. When you feel that there is God, when you feel this, when you know it, when God's love is boiling in you, you'll be unable not to share it and hear the lesser jihad, which is in the second place, after the greater one comes in meaning conveying, telling and showing it to others. That's why the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that Islam should be all over the world. But Islam… Not as name or as rights, but as the essence. Certainly, as God's love. Returning to our hypothetical list, the third ones on the list are people who are disturbed by the word Alatra. What does Alatra mean? Alatra means the power of God. And what is the power of God in? The power of God is in God's love. So, what disturbs you in God's love? The symbol of Alatra, this sign was in Islam from the very beginning. And it was present everywhere. And not just in Islam. Alatra was in all religions, on all continents. And despite all the efforts of Iblis and his slaves to erase Alatra from the memory of humankind, Today the truth triumphs anyway, and we find a great number of evidence preserved. The evidence that Alatra was in fact ubiquitous and inextricably connected with Islam. While some people are disturbed by the very word Alat, as if Alat was supposedly some kind of an idol against which the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was fighting. But that's a lie. This is just one of the vile tricks of Shaitan, of Iblis, who created such a negative attitude towards Allah in the minds of some people. 
Whereas the true ayat of the Quran directly speak about who Allah is. So, have you considered Allah and Al-Uzza and Manat, the third, the other one? Truly, they are the honored angels, on whose intercession one should or can set hopes. Quran, Surah 53, Ayat 19. So, on whose intercession it's possible to set hopes? Angels. Allah is not an idol. It was about the Allah sisters. That is, they were angels, about whom, by the way, Mahdi talks a lot in the videos, revealing that the Allah sisters were the heavenly birds. These are the angels that served Allah the Almighty. And this very ayat, which tells the truth about the Allah sisters, out of more than 6,300 ayat, was declared satanic. It was said that this ayat was supposedly whispered to Allah's Prophet by Shaitan. And who said that first? This was said by some Ibn Ishaq, a Jew. Thus, I have a question for all of you. What kind of Muslims are you if the words of a Jew that discredit your Prophet are the truth for you, which you accept? And do you have the right to be called and consider yourself Muslims? If some Ibn Ishaq, the son of Ishaq, that is a lying Jew who slandered and defamed the Messenger of Allah by saying that these ayat are satanic and you accept these words, so are you really Muslims? Whereas for a real Muslim, the very idea that shaitan could whisper anything to the Messenger of Allah, the Prophet of Allah, the last Prophet, should be blasphemous and unacceptable. Then what kind of a Prophet of Allah is he if shaitan could whisper verses of the Quran to him? Yet you have accepted this position without even checking it all. As for the fact that the Ta'if sanctuary in which the idol of Allah was destroyed by the order of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, everything is not as it looks at first glance owing to the efforts of Iblis and his slaves. In fact, Prophet Muhammad didn't fight with Allah. He fought with the priestly pack which had created a feeder in the sanctuary in this holy place. So, as a matter of fact, on this concept, on the deep reverence of Allah by Arabs and all the inhabitants of the peninsula, they created a religion of their own. And in this place, in Taif, a real feeder was created by them. It cannot be called otherwise. They collected a huge treasury, Hazina, which in principle was also one of the reasons why the Prophet Muhammad committed this action. What did he do? He dispersed his priestly pack and took their treasury because at that moment he was in dire need of funds. These are the two reasons why this action was committed. I repeat, the first is to disperse the handful of priests who created, so to say, a business for themselves. By the way, that reminds me of something. And the second reason is that they had great wealth, 
while the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had great debts at that time. So he basically had no choice but to kill two birds with one stone. Yet what's important is that he forbade to hunt and to cut down trees in the territory of this sanctuary. What does this indicate? First of all, a respectful attitude. He forbade any violence. Hence, he treated this place with respect. This topic, the topic of Allah, is very important. This topic is actually one of the traps in which Iblis has caught a huge number of people. And we will definitely cover this topic more deeply and in greater detail in one of our next episodes. Yet, I'd like to make it clear so that people have an understanding that in today's world, in this world of lies, in this unjust world, where indeed Iblis is still ruling today for a certain while, a lot has been replaced and perverted. And that's where all the problems of humanity come from. The topic of a lot is one of those which, or rather the lack of genuine knowledge on this topic among people is exactly one of the serious reasons of lawlessness, violence and anarchy that are taking place in the world today. But again, as stated in the Quran, no matter how insidious and crafty shaitan and his intrigues are, the truth will triumph anyway. Today, thanks to the Alatra knowledge brought by Imam Mahdi, the truth is triumphing. The fourth on our hypothetical list are those of our brothers who are at war today, killing their own kind. These are people who participate in the so-called jihad. Although we have already revealed what the true jihad is, here we won't return to this topic again. So, these people are involved in actual hostilities, where they risk their own lives. Their message and aspiration to earn the contentment of Allah certainly deserve respect, because people are risking their lives. Yet, all their actions are done to Iblis's dictation. And it's important to understand this. It's important to make this distinction. With an intention to help these people, I'd like to tell them, dear brothers, don't waste your lives on those for whom you are just cannon fodder and pawns in a big game. You are risking everything you have for those who don't know Allah. They are leading you the wrong way. And if you can't hear me now, I'll repeat again. I'm an ordinary person, but thanks to Alatra, thanks to the knowledge that Mahdi has brought, I have an understanding which I'm sharing with you. A part of this understanding is that a person who kills his own kind, his brothers in essence, the same creations of Allah, this person will not reach heaven, no matter what your false guides are telling you, who just deceive you 
in the most heinous way. By doing so, you are condemning yourselves to agonizing suffering in hell. It's impossible to achieve the contentment of Allah, the Almighty, by killing His other creations. They tell you that, by following this way, you will come to Allah, that you must risk your lives. Yet, why don't they risk their own lives? Why do they prefer risking your lives? Who are they, and do they have the right to determine external enemies for you, saying that certain people are enemies? Who are they to do that, if they are slaves of Iblis? How can they tell you this? And why do you follow them? The only enemy of every person is his nafs. Your enemy is within yourselves. And it's the fight against this enemy that the real jihad is. But for this, you don't need to be somewhere in the trenches to shed your own and other people's blood. Again, is this blood alien? It is the blood of the same people, the same creations of Allah, who were born by mothers just like you were, just like you, these people, were fed by their mothers. In each of them, there is a particle of Allah. By killing their body, you prevent this particle from maturing and returning to its Creator. Thus, you deprive a person of this opportunity and doom yourselves to painful suffering, which will last for a very long time. I'm saying all this only to make you come to your senses, to make you wake up from this false delusion. The only jihad pleasing to Allah, the Almighty, is jihad against nafs, and it is performed not with a submachine gun in your hands, but with love for Allah in your hearts. While we are all brothers and sisters, in fact, only Satan divides us. But he doesn't divide through something or someone, he divides through us, through our deeds, our actions, through our words. And it's from here that everything grows. Satan's tool is you, my friend. As long as we obey. As long as you listen to this Satan. Today, each of you, my dear brothers, has an opportunity to turn as they say in the East, from the middle of the wrong way. This is already a victory. After all, when that day comes, it will be too late. In the Quran, a lot is said about this. For example, in Surah 4, Ayat 42, it is clearly stated, that day, the day of judgment, those who disbelieved and disobeyed the Messenger will wish they could be covered by the earth, and they will not conceal from Allah a single statement. What does this mean? This means, first of all, that this day will be so terrible for those who disobeyed Allah that they would prefer the earth to be leveled over them. In short, Allah is warning all people. So let's heed His warnings. Returning to Imams, Sheikhs and authorities, 
meaning to Tehud, to people who are Tehud today. I'd like to emphasize that by no means I condemn these people, because I'm a human, just like everyone else. I'm not a judge. We all have one and the same judge. That is why, simply as a human, I share my understanding in order for these people to hear and come to their senses. Of course, if they want to. After all, sometimes in order for a person to wake up from the oblivion which he is in, it is useful to pour cold water over him. In this case, my words are nothing more than an attempt. I admit that many of these people are outraged, angry, and may even spit at the monitor. It is their right. And the monitor, although temporarily, is theirs too. Therefore, I'll put it this way. Let's recall the words of our common prophet, peace be upon him, who repeated the following words several times when a man came to him for advice. Don't fall into impulses of anger. Also, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, not that one is strong who conquers another person, but the one who is able to cope with himself at the moment when he's in anger. What do these words mean? These words mean that anger, indignation, and irritation are all bad advisors. And when my brothers recall these words and more or less calm their anger down, they will realize that everything which may have sounded unpleasant to their ego can be very useful to the spirit of each of them. The truth in this case might be a little bitter, but I was brought up in such a way that I cannot tell lies to people whom I call brothers. So I don't have a goal to offend or insult anyone or to do anything of that kind. All this is being said only with the understanding of how strong Iblis is and how he holds these people through nafs, through their consciousness, keeps them in his obedience. But there is an important point, based on the understanding of which all this is said. All these people have a lot of theoretical knowledge. If this knowledge is strengthened, enhanced, or based on the practical knowledge of Alatra, that is, on the practical inner way, the inner knowledge of Allah, when love for Allah is unfolding in a person, when theory and practice are combined, then these people, these brothers of mine, will be able to really do a lot of useful for themselves and for all other Muslims. This is the truth. The truth is Alatra. This is the truth which every person can accept regardless of his past life, regardless of who he was in his past life and what he was doing. Alatra can change everything, regardless of who a person was before. Let me give you an example. 
On the 22nd of June, a press conference of U.S. presidential candidate Robbie Wells was held, where he said that he had seen all the injustice of the world, as he expressed it, until by the will of destiny he had encountered Alatra, and he realized that there it was, it was near, that the answers were all there, and that he got very inspired by Alatra and the way people united based on the best human qualities, and they are active. He got very inspired. He also said that it's time for all humanity to unite around Alatra when asking the question whether it is possible to change everything. Robbie Wells himself replied that yes, everything can be changed. But if we all unite, unite around Alatra, based on the understanding which Alatra gives, that we are one family, that there are no strangers in the world, and there is only one nation, humanity, and that we must do everything which depends on us for the survival of this nation, humanity. He said that it's very important to change the consumer format of relations in society, to a creative one. He talked about a single world economy and the abolition of loans, which is also very important. As far as I understood, it was about the complete nulling of all loans and all debts and about the abolition of usury. This was said by the presidential candidate of the United States. He said that he's running for the President of the United States to stop this crazy arms race and to destroy slavery, which hasn't disappeared, but has only been camouflaged. He said that he's not running for the presidency for the sake of power, but in order to assume responsibility before the people of America and the entire humanity. And the most important, the key point is that Robbie Wells said that Alatra is the most beautiful thing in a human. This is what God has breathed into us. And this was said by a politician of such a level. This was said by the candidate for the President of the United States. While we do know that very few people can retain their human qualities being engaged in politics. This is pretty complicated. Nevertheless, Alatra is that truth which can find a response in the heart of any person, whatever his job and position are. Because this truth is from God. Inside every person there is a particle which God has breathed into every human being. And this very particle feels Alatra and understands that this truth is from Allah the Almighty. It is quite remarkable that any person can feel and accept Alatra. We don't know what Robbie Wells will actually do next, and he has the right of choice just like everyone else. But still, it's a fact that this person got inspired by Alatra and wasn't afraid to declare this publicly. 
to declare it in such theses, expressions and words which are absolutely unacceptable for modern politics, for the dirty politics which is currently carried out and brought to life by most politicians. He even used different wordings, so even a slight, short acquaintance with Alatra has changed the person to such an extent that he already began to speak up. At that, our words are sometimes a forerunner of our actions. What else is very important in this event? What is very revealing? It is that ordinary people, even in that very America, which many dislike, but nevertheless, ordinary people there began to tell the truth openly, being afraid of nothing and no one. That's how it is. They started talking about Alatra, and this led to the fact that even a politician of such a level, a presidential candidate of the United States of America, began to tell the truth and started talking about Alatra openly. And what is all that? All that is primarily the result of actions, sincere, brave actions of ordinary people who got inspired by Alatra. They didn't remain silent. They began to talk about this openly. When people tell the truth, politicians and priests have no options. They will have to follow people. After all, on whom does the power of politicians and priests rest? On ordinary people. Since the power of a mountain is not in the stone lying on its top, but in its solidity, and the power is in people. But when people are united, for this very reason, politicians and priests are so eager to divide people. Because by dividing people, they rule. Thus, they implement the main principle of Iblis, of the system divide and rule. But if the nations all over the world rally around Alatra and understand that simple truth, that there is one Allah above us all, one Creator for all of us, they will understand that they have nothing to divide, they have no reason to fear politicians and priests, then politicians and priests will follow the will of people, because all their power rests on people. Who implements everything? All their plans and orders. Imagine a simple situation, that a hairdresser refuses to cut their hair, a doctor refuses to treat them, a waiter refuses to serve them food, a bodyguard refuses to protect them, and so on, and so forth. If ordinary people refuse to carry out all their orders, to whom will they dictate their will and their orders? It's important to understand a simple thing, that we delegate power to them. We make them strong, and therefore it should depend only on us, whom these politicians and priests serve, if we really want them to serve people, then nations must rally around Alatra and be guided by Alatra in their actions, and then everything will fall into place. On this example, the example of Robbie Wells, we can see that this is really so. As soon as people started saying the truth openly, on the 11th of May, 
there was a global historical event at which people started telling the truth in Atlanta, USA. More than 560 locations from over 140 countries of the world got connected to them. And already on the 22nd of June, the USA presidential candidate declared that he is in solidarity with Alatra. He supports Alatra and he would be guided by Alatra in his actions. Question. Why in your countries, dear brothers and sisters, politicians, priests and even those presidential candidates don't talk about Alatra? Why are they silent? Because first of all, you are silent. But how can you remain silent? There are no words to express the importance of Alatra today its importance for the entire humanity and for every person today. After all, Alatra is really the most beautiful thing that can be. It is salvation, salvation for every person and for all humanity. It is the only worthy answer to all the intrigues, to all the scheming of Iblis with which he has entangled all humanity today, to all the lies that now reign in the minds of a great number of people. Alatra is the only answer to all of this. Alatra is Zulfikar, which destroys, cuts these lies so that the truth reigns in the minds of people, so that people remember the simple truth that they are all brothers to each other, that only one Allah is above everyone, that He didn't create people so that some people would rule over others sitting on their necks, and that we are all equal before Allah. Alatra is the katana which cuts through these lies. How can you be silent about this? Let's take people who spread impiety. In their vile life, they are only engaged in spreading debauchery, lies, wickedness, and so on and so forth. These people aren't shy, aren't silent or afraid. So do those have the right to be afraid, to be shy or to have doubts, who tell people about Alatra, about what is most important today, about what has been brought here by the One who fulfills the will of Allah the Almighty. Do these people have the right to be afraid, to have doubts or to be shy if they tell their brothers and sisters about that which can give freedom to everyone, real freedom, true freedom, eternal freedom? And if thus they help the one who fulfills the will of Allah, do these people actually have the right to be afraid of anything. Imagine a situation where your dearest person is sick with a fatal disease, and for decades, for a very long time, you cannot find any remedy. You have tried everything, but he is sick and he is dying. Here comes a doctor who brings this healing. But you take a stand and say, no, wait, show your certificate that you are really a doctor, that Allah has sent you. But this doctor is the mercy of Allah. This is His care for us all. This is His patience. This is His mercy. You cannot call it otherwise. But you say, no, wait, I'll go and ask alims, scholars, sheikhs, and so forth. Let them say, yes, it's a doctor. 
Then I'll take this remedy that he has brought. You have doubts, you take a stand. But the sick person is all humanity today, the terminally ill humanity. Alatra is the only opportunity for entire humanity and for every person individually to get cured and saved. Just look at what is going on in the world today. Has humanity ever been so close to destruction? Climate, nuclear threat, wars and the doomsday clock. It is at 2 minutes to 12. For those who don't know, there is such a clock which was, by the way, created by those people who created a nuclear bomb. And now this clock is showing to humanity how much time is left until the end, until the apocalypse. However, I'd like to say that exactly the choice of people determines what will happen to humanity and what will be humanity's destiny. But not this pile of paid servants, of Iblis, is to determine that. Yet everything is serious today. And we do see how serious it is. Politicians are thriving on people's money and are engaged in idle talks. At the time when all means and all administrative resources, all financial resources should be directed to unification and consolidation of people. They are engaged in dividing people even more, are engaged in adoption of some bills and useless resolutions. Who needs these resolutions? The millennial wrath of nature doesn't care about all these resolutions. The only benefit of these resolutions can be when you find yourself in a lavatory and there is neither water nor toilet paper. That's the only place where they can be handy. Again, today when all religions should call for unity, for the worship of one God, the Lord, the Creator, the Creator of all people, priests of these religions divide one God into pieces and each of them shouts that his peace is the best, the right and the most reliable one, so you should follow them. Thus, they continue dividing people. And what have they turned God's temples into? Those very churches, those very mosques, into a theater where they hold theatrical performances. Yet do these performances lead people to God? No. If they were leading people to God, a simple question, for how many millennia have these religions existed? And they all conduct these theatrical performances, the so-called divine services. So why doesn't God reign in the hearts of people today? Why do people live as a huge flock of animals who are being torn apart by animosity, hatred and greed? Why is there no peace on earth? After all, there are these religions. But why is humanity on the verge of destruction today? Let me repeat, the only decent answer and the only way out of what is happening today is Alatra. It's the truth that has been brought by Imam Mahdi. Only Alatra can help us get out of those nets in which Iblis has got all humanity entangled so deftly. Only Alatra can help to free people 
from these shackles in which he has put them all today, as it is Zulfikar that cuts all the shackles. I'll repeat again, but this is important, dear brothers and sisters. Those people who have realized the importance of this and are carrying this message to other people, these people shouldn't have any doubts or fears. Why? Because you are carrying what is most beautiful and necessary for every person, even if he doesn't know about it yet or doubts it. You help the one who is fulfilling the will of Allah the Almighty, which means you also fulfill the will of Allah the Almighty when you share Alatra with people, when you tell people about Alatra. This is truly an act that pleases Allah because it leads people to freedom, to the freedom of spirit, to freedom from Iblis's slavery. And what is more important than freedom in this life? No benefits of this life are even close to this freedom. Yet, while some are doubting this doctor, who has brought healing, and these people are making no headway so far, the brotherhood has already begun, unification of humanity has already started, it is already happening, and today we are happy to observe it all, to be a part of this truly global, creative process that is pleasing to Allah the Almighty. Do you see yourself among them? No. So what kind of Muslim are you, if you cannot find yourself among these people? people who love the Almighty and have stood next to the one who fulfills His will. Look at the number of these people. They are from all parts of the earth. Yes, they may call God differently, but the essence is the same. They all strive for one God. Find yourself among them, those who fulfill the will of the Creator. And do you call yourself a Muslim? So where are you, those who honor the words of the Prophet, those who love the Almighty, those who submit to Him, the one who truly loves the Almighty and respects His messengers, acts and stands next to Mahdi, and carries Alatra to all humankind, to all brothers and sisters all over the world. Look, these are ordinary people, people all over the world, plain people, but their hearts have been touched by Alatra. It has inspired them to act, and they are acting. They are not silent. Why are you silent?
to help those people who couldn't find themselves in this video among people who helped Mahdi, thereby showing their love and respect for Allah the Almighty and for the One who is fulfilling His will. I'd like to remind of the words of our beloved Prophet, peace be upon him. Perhaps today these words will sound differently for our brothers and sisters. Perhaps these words will penetrate into their hearts after all. These words came from the heart of our beloved Prophet. If you listen to them with open hearts, then you, I'm more than sure, you will understand their meaning and hear and accept these words. Mahdi means the one guided along the right path, guided along the path of Allah. In translation from the Arabic, the term Mahdi means guided by God, along the true path, also has the meaning the last renewer of faith, an interpreter of the sacred and true meaning of the Quran. Moreover, the word Mahdi means guided by Allah, the one who rules righteously, the one who is on the straight path and is the cause of finding the straight path by others. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said about Mahdi, the one who obeys him will be saved from the hellfire, but the one who opposes him will be destroyed. And this is stated in the Quran 2.98, whoever is an enemy to Allah and his angels and his messengers Gabriel and Michael, then indeed Allah is an enemy to the disbelievers. Besides, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said that at the very beginning many will consider the advent of Imam Mahdi to be an unserious fuss, but it will be the truth. He will possess the common wisdom of all the Prophets and all the Saints. The knowledge and the essence of all religions will be in his heart. He, Al-Mahdi, will fill the earth with justice and peace and will unite everyone in one brotherhood. Also, the Prophet Muhammad said the following about Mahdi. Paradise is for that person who meets him, Al-Mahdi, and complies with him. And paradise is for that person who loves him. And paradise is for that person who has belief in him and accepts his imamate. When answering the question of one of his associates regarding the hidden state of Mahdi, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, this phenomenon is one of Allah's matters and the secret of his secrets which he has concealed from his servants. Beware of doubting this, for doubting matters of the Almighty is unbelief. Moreover, Allah's Messenger, peace be upon him, said that at the end of times, owing to Mahdi, Islam will return to its original pure state, and just like at the very beginning, it will face resistance and rejection. There is quite a remarkable hadith where it is said that there will be 13 women alongside Al-Qaim. It's a very interesting hadith. There are two other interesting hadith about the end times and the signs of Mahdi's advent, where it is said, when the belly of Mecca will be cut open and through it will be dug out river-like passages and the buildings of the holy city of Mecca will rise higher than its mountains, and in particular, when the clock shadow will fall on you, be vigilant. And 
There is a bit different version of the same hadith, so when you see in Mecca that channels have already been dug or tunnels built, and you see the building surpass the tops of the mountains, then know that the command of the hour has already cast its shadow over you. By the way, regarding the person who conveyed the two latter hadith, it is Abu Nuaym. Some scholars of the hadith now write that some of his hadith are supposedly unauthentic and unreliable. In particular, a man by the name of Ibn Ma'an has written that Abu Nuaym wasn't knowledgeable, although he was a Sunnah adherent. In such a case, a question arises, how could he know and describe everything that we can observe today? If he died in Hijri, year 430, and what do we see today? Look how it all fits together, the building and the clock above the mountains. This once again proves that the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, did live, and he was telling the truth Look how accurately he described it all. He was telling it so that we wouldn't be mistaken and would recognize the time and signs of the advent of Imam Mahdi. How could Abu Nuaym invent such a thing in the 10th or 11th century? Look, the belly of Mecca is open, the roads are flowing inside it like rivers. How at that distant time could people know about this? Only Allah's Prophet, peace be upon him, could describe everything so accurately and in such detail. So why do you believe those who say that all these hadith are unreliable? Those who force you to be their slaves and sponsors, while you don't believe in what you see with your own eyes and feel with your heart what kind of Muslims are you if seeing such obvious and indisputable facts you still believe Tahud, but not the Prophet Muhammad? Peace be upon him. Today, we have repeatedly said that the worst thing which has happened today is that people have been weaned from believing themselves. They have been tamed like little animals so that they rely on the same people as them, so that they follow Tahut. But people aren't animals, and in every person there is a particle of Allah the Almighty. This means that every person can perceive and feel the truth in himself, and follow it, and live by this truth within himself. Today, every person on earth has a chance to become a real human, to live inside himself by the truth, so that the truth lives inside the person. And this chance exists thanks to Alatra, thanks to the knowledge which Imam Mahdi has brought, and he has brought it for us to win. After all, this world was created by Allah the Almighty so that we could earn the contentment of Allah the Almighty and defeat Iblis. And we can't do this, because today we have everything for that, and inshallah, we will win.
In fact, God has created this world not for Satan, but for people, for them to be able to come here and win. Not to lose, but to win. And God has given such a chance to everyone. Friends, let's live by the Spirit. Let's live together. And let's build such a society which every one of us would want to live in and to live eternally. Such a society which we wouldn't be ashamed to leave to our children. A society where there is no slavery, where there are no lies, where there is no deception. After all, everything is within our power. If we unite, we'll be capable of everything, won't we? Where everything is honest, where everything is open, where there is no dirt and envy, where Spirit reigns. And where Spirit reigns, there is God's love. Let's live with love, with love within ourselves. Let's just love God and be faithful and devoted to Him.